0: A Tale of Terror by Thomas Hood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The following story I had from the lips of a well-known aeronaut, and nearly in the same words. It was on one of my ascents from Vauxhall and a gentleman of the name of Maver had engaged himself as a companion in my aerial excursion. But when the time came his nerves failed him, and I looked vainly around with the person who was to occupy the vacant seat in the car. Having waited for him till the last possible moment, and the crowd in the gardens becoming impatient, I prepared to ascend alone, and the last cord that attached me to the earth was about to be cast off, when suddenly a strange gentleman pushed forward, and volunteered to go up with me into the clouds. He pressed the request with so much earnestness, that having satisfied myself by a few questions of his respectability, and had received his promise to submit in every point to my directions, I consented to receive him in lieu of the absentee, whereupon he stepped with evident eagerness and alacrity into the machine. In another minute we were rising above the trees, and in justice to my companion I must say that in all my experience no person at a first ascent had ever shown such perfect coolness and self-possession. The sudden rise of the machine, the novelty of the situation, the real and exaggerated dangers of the voyage, and the cheering of the spectators, are apt to cause some trepidation, or at any rate excitement, in the boldest individuals. Whereas the stranger was as composed and comfortable as if he had been sitting quite at home in his own library chair. A bird could not have seemed more at ease, or more in its element, and yet he solemnly assured me upon his honour that he had never been up before in his life. Instead of exhibiting any alarm at our great height from the earth, he evinced the liveliest pleasure whenever I emptied one of my bags of sand, and even once or twice urged me to part with more of the ballast. In the meantime, the wind, which was very light, carried us gently along in a north-east direction, and the day being particularly bright and clear, we enjoyed a delightful bird's-eye view of the great metropolis and the surrounding country. My companion listened with great interest while I pointed out to him the various objects over which we passed, till I happened casually to observe that the balloon must be directly over Hoxton. My fellow traveller then for the first time betrayed some uneasiness, and anxiously inquired whether I thought he could be recognised by anyone at our then distance from the earth. It was, I told him, quite impossible. Nevertheless he continued, very uneasy, frequently repeating, I hope they don't see me, and entreating me earnestly to discharge more ballast it then flashed upon me for the first time that his offer to ascend with me had been a whim of the moment and that he feared the being seen at that perilous elevation by any member of his own family i therefore asked him if he resided at hoxton to which he replied in the affirmative urging again and with great vehemence the emptying of the remaining sandbags this however was out of the question considering the altitude of the balloon the course of the wind and the proximity of the sea-coast But my comrade was deaf to these reasons. He insisted on going higher, and on my refusal to discharge more ballast, deliberately pulled off and threw his hat, coat, and waistcoat overboard. "'Hurrah! That lightened her!' he shouted. "'But it's not enough yet!' And he began unloosening his cravat. "'Nonsense,' said I. "'My good fellow, nobody can recognize you at this distance, even with a telescope.' "'Don't be too sure of that,' he retorted rather simply. "'They have sharp eyes at Miles's.' "'At where?' "'At Miles's madhouse.' "'Gracious heaven!' The truth flashed upon me in an instant. I was sitting in the frail car of a balloon, at least a mile above the earth, with a lunatic. The horrors of the situation, for a minute, seemed to deprive me of my own senses. A sudden freak of a distempered fancy, a transient fury, the slightest struggle, might send us both at a moment's notice into eternity. In the meantime the maniac, still repeating his insane cry of HIGHER, 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 divested himself successively of every remaining article of clothing throwing each portion as soon as taken off to the wind. The inutility of remonstrance, or rather the probability of its producing a fatal irritation, kept me silent during these operations. But judge of my terror, when having thrown his stockings overboard, I heard him say, We are not yet high enough by ten thousand miles. One of us must throw out the other. To describe my feelings at this speech is impossible. Not only the awfulness of my position, but its novelty, conspired to bewilder me. For certainly no flight of imagination, no, not the wildest nightmare dream, had ever placed me in so desperate and forlorn a situation. It was horrible, horrible. Words, pleadings, remonstrances were useless, and resistance would be certain destruction. I had better have been unarmed, in an American wilderness, at the mercy of a savage Indian. And now, without daring to stir a hand in opposition, I saw the lunatic deliberately heave first one, and then the other bag of ballast from the car, the balloon of course rising with proportionate rapidity. Up, up, up it soared, to an altitude I had never even dared to contemplate. The earth was lost to my eyes, and nothing but the huge clouds rolled beneath us. The world was gone, I felt, for ever. The maniac, however, was still dissatisfied with our ascent, and again began to mutter. "'Have you a wife and children?' he asked abruptly. Prompted by a natural instinct, and with a pardonable deviation from truth, I replied that I was married and had fourteen young ones who depended on me for their bread. "'Ha, ha, ha!' laughed the maniac, with a sparkling of his eyes that chilled my very marrow. "'I have three hundred wives and five thousand children, and if the balloon had not been so heavy by carrying double, I should have been home to them by this time.' "'And where do they live?' I asked, anxious to gain time by any question that first occurred to me in the moon replied the maniac and when i have lightened the car i shall be there in no time i heard no more for suddenly approaching me and throwing his arms around my body end of a tale of terror recording by patrick wallace